Hello, everybody, and welcome or welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. So good to have you with us today. My name is Tim Alford. I'm part of the Limitless team, and I'm going to be your host for this fascinating conversation with Dr. Lucy Shuka. But just before we get into that, I've got to let you know about Limitless Leaders 2021, a two-day community of learning online for youth and children's ministry leaders on the 26th and 27th of January. I'm so excited about some of the contributors that we've got coming to invest in us, uh, including Dr. Andrew Root, who you will know is just one of the primary voices in youth ministry across the world today. Uh, leadership expert, the, the Reverend Dr. Kate Coleman is going to be joining us. Uh, Dave Adamson and Al Corsi from North Point Community Church in Atlanta. Uh, Mike Pilavacci from Soul Survivor will be back with us once again and a whole load more. And as part of our two days together at Limitless Leaders, we'd just love to be able to offer you a one-to-one consultancy session in youth or children's ministry with somebody from the Limitless Leadership team. You know, I really believe that these couple of days are going to serve us and enable us to practically and prophetically consider how to do effective youth and children's ministry in this new world we find ourselves in. So, To find out more, to check out the whole program, the themes, and to get your tickets, head over to limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash leaders. That's limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash leaders. I'd absolutely love to learn with you there. But in the meantime, let's get on with the podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. I'm delighted to have back with us again this month, uh, Dr. Lucy Shuka. Lucy, welcome back. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Uh, now, Lucy, you uh, oversee the, the the research department over at Youthscape. Just uh, for those of uh, our listeners who maybe missed last month's episode, give us a few headlines, what, what it is you do on, on, on a day-to-day with, with Youthscape. Cool. Yes, I will. I just realized I said lovely to be here and where I am is just in my kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know why I said that. It's lovely Um, to be in your your kitchen. It's very nice to be here. But where I am is also Luton, which is where Youthscape is based. And we have a small research center and there's three of us. And our job is to try and collect research that will be of use and relevance to um, Christian youth workers, as well as youth workers more generally. So we try to share that through our quarterly research magazine, The Story, which you can subscribe to. And then we do our, we produce research as well. So we, we try to undertake new projects that will explore different aspects of young people's life, culture, youth ministry, and what the church is up to when it comes to young people. Yeah, that's right. And it's, and it's for that reason that we're having the discussion today, because you've conducted a, a piece of research which you've entitled, We Do God. Uh, and we talked about some of the, the headlines around that research uh, last month. So I really want to encourage uh, our listeners, if you're just dipping into this podcast, well, welcome, but turn it off, go download the last one, because <laughs> you're going to want to listen to that, because this conversation will make much more sense if you listen to the previous episode. Uh, but Lucy, um, do, as, as a refresher, uh, give, give us a little reminder of what that research was, was, was all about and what you were seeking to discover. Okay, well, I think one of the things that we have been thinking about as a team um, at Youthscape and picking up 
is a conversation happening elsewhere as well. It's a kind of renewed interest in spiritual practices and spiritual yeah. disciplines. I think this is something that um, with our emph emphasis on um, studying and learning scripture, which is hugely important, and on building Christian community, we haven't always expressed or experienced the breadth of what is in our tradition in terms of what it means mm -hmm. practically day to day to practice Christian faith. Um, and, to, and what those disciplines are. And we've been particularly interested at how those could be used, not just in terms of a structure for discipleship of those who are already Christian, but how inviting young people to try things out and experience them firsthand is also missional. It's also an aspect yeah. of evangelism that is um, underexplored. And so that's what we did. We did a survey of 235 youth workers, which uh, and that was asking about um, what what do you practice? Like what are the kind of, pillars of your Christian faith in terms of what you do day to day, week to week, month to month. Um, and what do you invite young people both within the church and beyond the church to do alongside you? And then we also did some case studies where we found loads of different youth work projects, charities, individuals who were doing that in different ways. And we just spent time with them, interviewed them and tried to draw out the lessons so that those who want to explore that more wouldn't be starting from square one. Yeah. And I think that what you found out was, uh, in some ways, not surprising, and in some ways, uh, surprising, um, but certainly thought-provoking and challenging. So, you know, what you would have expected to come out on, on top were those practices that I guess are anchored around the gathered church, right? So prayer and worship and community, th those kinds of things, you know, they came out high, didn't they, in terms of what youth workers are practicing with their young people, but then right down the bottom were were things like fasting and lament, but even surprisingly low stuff like pursuing justice together. And, you know, there were some real challenges in there. You know, we talked, didn't we, last time about how with fasting, Jesus said, when you fast, not if you fast. And yet there it was right at the bottom of the things that we, that we actually practice. So there were some fascinating things to be drawn out there, much of which we, we discussed last time. So again, if you missed it, go back and listen to that. But one of the things I found really interesting, Lucy, as I, as I read through the research, is how you'd, um, I guess, categorised some of these spiritual practices that you'd discussed with youth workers and found out, you know, whether they're practising them with their young people or not. You, you, you'd categorised these into three, I, I guess, sections. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but sure. you're talking about those which are most attractive to young people outside of the church. Yeah. You talked about those which were considered most powerful for forming Christian identity. And then finally, those which were considered most important in being faithful to the teachings of Jesus. And uh, how that came out is really interesting. That's what we're going to talk about today. But I'll, I'll start, Lucy, just by asking you about the one, and it was only one, uh, that from your research came out ticking all three boxes, uh, so to speak. What, what was that practice and, and, and why was it something that did, you know, did all of those things? It, it was attractive to young people outside of the church. It was important for forming Christian identity and it was important for being faithful to the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, that one practice was serving others or mm. blessing others. And just to explain what it means that these ones were at the top, we, we had this list of 21 practices and we asked youth workers to, to drag and drop your top five into these three different boxes that you've just described. 
Um, and, and serving and blessing others was the only one that appeared in, in the top five of all of those categories. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's really interesting. It's encouraging that it's there in terms of being faithful to Jesus' teachings. I yeah. think when I hear that, I'm, I'm drawn to, you know, the passage where realizing that he has come from the Father in this moment of self-revelation of who he is, Jesus gets up, puts a towel around his waist and, and, and washes his disciples' feet. Right and calls us to do likewise. So laying down our lives and serving others um, is, is what leadership means, and it's what being a disciple means. So that's, that's not a surprise, although it's encouraging that it's there. Um, forming Christian identity, I think, is, that's, also, that's also interesting. So serving and blessing others was probably the only practice of the top five things that youth workers did that you would say um, that's, that's not always a feature of our meetings when we get together say on a Sunday morning or a service right. it might be if you're standing if you're you know serving coffee but there's it seems to me that it's a wider thing which is about a disposition towards blessing one another and serving one another and preferring one another that is something that I think we'll see across the church community not just say on a Sunday morning hmm. um, so but but I think youth workers know that one of the most powerful things you can do if you want to um, anchor young people's experience into church community and into what it means to follow Christ is to is to get them to serve is to draw them into something in which they are blessing others um, and so that sort of made sense the attractive to young people one I thought was really interesting the idea of serving and blessing others mm. and this this was this did come up actually in the case studies where across a number of projects young people in the community who wouldn't consider themselves Christian were invited to do different kinds of spiritual experiments and quite often they involved some version of what we would understand as a random act of kindness right um, and sometimes that was combined with something a bit prophetic you know pray before you go out and see you know does God want you to go and encourage somebody or to buy a bunch of flowers for anybody or to do something like that and there was real enthusiasm from the young people that took part in that to the point where in one of the case studies the, the residential weekend ended and this group wanted to continue to meet because they had found it so meaningful to bless other people that they had started writing out encouraging notes and sticking them on the local lampposts together because they'd experienced something powerful in terms of what it means to, to bless. Um, but I think there's also a little bit of a challenge in that, which is, you know, gets to the question of what makes a practice Christian. What makes this different from the, the kind of movement of random acts of kindness, which is out there in culture, it, people recognize it. And some people have participated, others haven't. But that sense of every now and then I'm going to do something that's random and kind is, 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 a, is a gentle and good beginning to something at the other end of which is lay down your life. <laughs> um, and you don't, you don't invite anyone to jump in at the deep end of that. Um, well, Jesus does. But uh, what I mean is, I, you know, I suppose that random act of kindness thing is, is, a, is a really, is a great gentle first missional experiment. Yeah. It's also a pathway that's going somewhere quite exciting. Yeah. And also one of the practices I think that you can do in community with, with young people. Some, some, I guess, are more challenging, aren't they, to do you know, as a group of young people, as a youth group than others. But this one, certainly, you, 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 can, you can do that together. And I wonder if often we think about, uh, and it's a good thing to think about, our, our youth ministries are there to serve 
the young people mm. to whom we are ministering. Mm. But actually, what if they're also there to help young people serve others and bless others? And as they do that, yes, it's missional. Yes, it helps to form uh, uh, Christian identity. And, and yes, it helps them to be faithful to, be, to the teachings of Jesus because that's who he was. And so it's all, it almost feels like with this one, I don't know if you'd agree, but it almost feels like a bit of an easy win on all three fronts and, and something we can do in community. I think so, yeah. I mean, not all of these ones that were perceived to be attractive to young people outside of the church are as easy to anchor clearly in the kind of Christian message. Right. Um, I, think, I think it doesn't take too long, but it takes a bit more work because we're not used to it. So, I mean, I guess we'll probably go on and talk about them, but things like celebration, I don't know how... Um, how yeah, well, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what you think, but I, I don't know how often we frame our practice of celebration with young people um, as, as something that's Christian rather than just something that we do for fun um, with young people. So when yeah. serving and blessing others does feel like a bit of an easy win, I think you're right. Yeah, well, that's, that's a nice segue, Lucy. So, so, so tell us, what were those practices that were categorised as most attractive uh, to young people outside the church, serving, blessing others, uh, and then you just mentioned there celebration celebration yep. and then what were the other ones well, the other three were hospitality and including others so we kind of frame that l- less as just kind of uh, i don't know inviting someone around for a drink or something like that um, and letting someone come over and play games with you and more a sense of um inclusion a, a right. kind of wider thing creativity and well. then finally challenging injustice and yeah. I, I think even in, even since lockdown, those have taken on, uh, they, they, they feel like they're more prescient. I think, well, we've, we've seen young people react strongly um, to the Black Lives Matter yeah. um, movement and really participate and challenge um, older generations about their mm-hmm. attitudes in terms of anti-racism. I think we know that young people are quite... Well, they're paradoxes, aren't they? There's, there's on, one, on the one hand, they're fiercely committed to inclusion of any group that might be um, perceived to be socially excluded or judged. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, we know that young people can be really mean to each other and bully one another in all sorts of ways. So it's not just that everyone's committed to inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that sense of hospitality is, is, is a familiar and including others is something that is probably culturally yeah. like familiar. And, um, and we've seen in lockdown young people really exploring creativity in, in, quite a, in some new exciting ways where they've had access to that and they've been encouraged to. Yeah, really, really interesting. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, the, the challenging justice thing, the inclusion thing, you know, we've seen it w- with Black Lives Matter. We, we, we've seen it, you know, before that and, and still now with you no know, climate justice and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the national walkout days and, you know, young people out of school protesting in their thousands about climate change and um the the thing about well taking those two specifically in terms of climate justice and racial justice absolutely as the church and the people of god we can get behind those two things wholeheartedly as gospel issues as kingdom issues can't we and we can do that with our young people in a way that evidently really is is resonating in in their hearts and actually i think um we need the young people to lead us don't we 
you know, in, in older generations in, in, in those things too. And so, yeah, r- really, I, I get that. I get how those things are, are most attractive to those outside the church. Um, very, very clearly. You mentioned celebration earlier on and you said, mm. you know, how, how is it that that's a, that's a Jesus thing, you know, a kingdom thing rather than just a thing thing, you know, like I, I'm an Arsenal fan. We won the FA cup the other day as we're recording. I, I celebrated. It wasn't necessarily a kingdom thing uh, and it wasn't going to point people to Jesus. The fact that I was happy about Arsenal winning the FA cup. So how, how do you see that? You know, it almost oh. in your own question, putting it back on you. Yeah. Is celebration like, cause I, I, I mean, I filled out the survey. I was one of the youth workers who participated. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I remember, uh, you know, putting, celebration is one that we did and uh, I think from as I was answering it I was thinking about well you know one of our values at Limitless is fun is our spirit so we try to you know we we we, we talk about we, we celebrate the life-giving force of fun you know that it creates that it, it it creates community and all of that kind of stuff and that's how I was thinking about it you know we we, we celebrate together we, we uh, we, we, you know, we, like most youth groups will do games together. You know, we, you know, we want to celebrate individuals. If it's someone's birthday, you know, we might want to honor that person and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, is that enough for it to be a gospel centered practice that is, is, or let me say, is that enough for it to be a missional practice or does it need to take on another kind of edge to do that? Oh, I think that's such a good question. I, I th- so one of the things I think is interesting in this is that um, celebrations in you know, that top five things that would be attractive to young people outside the church, it was in the bottom five of practices that would be important to be faithful to Jesus' teachings. Um, and maybe that's not a surprise because if you, if you can only choose five, it's yes. unlikely you're going to be like, celebration despite the fact that we're always like the first miracle was the wedding and yeah. you know um so maybe that's not a surprise but it does i think suggest to me that this is one of those in fact it is the research showed that this is one of those practices where the the practice and the talking about it the explaining it the teaching the story of it do not go together there is a there's a theory practice gap when it comes to celebration yeah. and 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 actually, I don't think that needs to be the case because one of the things we did after this report was kind of drafted is, um, is I did a, we do a chapel every Monday morning um, as part of the Escape team and I did mine on celebration. Mm. So I shared this with the team and I said, it's, it's interesting that this is something that's um, seen to be really attractive to young people, uh, but it's not something that youth workers necessarily see as a spiritual discipline. They maybe yeah. don't intentionally practice it. And it's not something that we are talking about as a spiritual discipline so let's go to scripture tell me everything that you can think of every theological reflection or tool or resource or story in the bible where which is about celebration and you know we obviously ran out of time and i've got loads of flip chart paper full of the places that celebration is part of the story of god um it's incredibly theologically rich and I love the idea that um, actually all we might need to do is, is to allow our talking about it to catch up with our practice. Yeah. I think youth workers are doing this um, powerfully and intentionally in ways that are really probably transformative for young people. So my question is, what does it mean to tell a bit of the story that makes sense of what we do? Very good. And I don't, truthfully, I don't really know, but I'd throw that out to a kind of invitation or challenge to those listening to say, can you tell stories that, 
root this thing that you do of celebration and fun um, beyond just like this is the bit that makes us feel warm and fuzzy and like we're close to each other so that we can then talk about the serious bit which is you know whatever the topic for the time is to say you know this is the bit where god is present this is the god delighting in us our delight in each other this fun this is spiritually meaningful i love that i love that and, and you're right you know most of us are already pretty good at doing that Definitely. <laughs> in our youth ministry so i, I love that idea of let, letting our kind of teaching about it um catch up to our practice and framing it in a in a theological manner to say hey this thing is is of god and it's good yeah that's that's fantastic okay well you mentioned though that celebration was one of the lowest uh in what we said was important about being uh, faithful to the teachings of mm. jesus and you know if you can only choose five you you might be able to kind of get that i guess yeah uh, but what came out on top what were the five that came out on top for being faithful to the teachings of jesus so there we had uh serving and blessing others which we've talked about already yeah prayer reading scripture forgiveness and loving your enemies well i guess no surprises there or would you say there were surprises there i mean probably not that surprising i think i think this was a hard exercise wasn't it to invite people to do and i think one of the things that came out in people's comments was well it's not that jesus said go and read your bible because he he didn't although he modeled reading scripture and teaching scripture but it's that engagement with scripture that opens up the story to us and enables us to be faithful so so that makes sense that it's kind of it's a really important mediating practice for doing so much of the other stuff as well as being like a way of encountering god in and of itself but i think i did find it interesting that when we think about the forming christian identity it was things that were more around attending church and singing would be higher than things like loving your enemies and forgiveness which are so foundational to what it means to you know, follow Jesus and what his pattern of life, death and resurrection mean in practice. And one of the most distinctive things, arguably, about what it means to be a Christian is that um, this grace never runs out um, and that that we're called to go beyond in terms of um, love to love our enemies as well. So I think, yeah, I mean, I I found it challenging when I read it to think, does does that mark out my life? Um, That's good, yeah. 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 So I find it challenging and I find it exciting. And, and if I remember rightly, Lucy, do I remember that forgiveness was um, one of the ones that was higher in those we do practice with young people? And um, it, if, if uh, it w- was all right about that, was that it was Actually, had a reasonably high percentage, did it not? That's a very good question. I'll probably have to flick through my, the report to find the percentages. What I do remember is that it was one where there were quite, there were, there were higher gaps yeah well here's my theory about that so you you mean the gap between the like teaching about forgiveness and practicing forgiveness and if i remember rightly the practicing of it was higher than the teaching of it was that was that right so um it was actually the other way it was the teaching about was higher than the yes although it's not saying that it was higher than the practice but higher than um the proportion of youth workers who had facilitated an experience of forgiveness because of course young people might be forgiving people constantly themselves but what we said was in the last two years have you helped young people experience this have you facilitated an experience of forgiveness yeah right got you so my so yes so thank you for refreshing my memory because my um 
my theory on this is that the reason for that is that what a lot of us end up doing in youth ministry is, you know, we're on a, a Tuesday night or a Thursday night or a Friday night, wherever we are, and they've come in from school and they've, and they've basically fallen out with their mates. Mm. You know, something's happened on their socials or something happened while they've been at school. And actually we, we sit with them. We, we hear their story. We hear how they feel wronged. Mm. And then, well, what do we do? We, we encourage them to forgive yeah. that, that person. Yeah. But often that person or those people aren't there. Yeah. So in that way, it's like we're, we're teaching about it yeah. and encouraging them to do it. But in that moment that, you know, I, well, that's interesting because that makes me think about, um, you know, would, would it be helpful in those environments to create a play, a physical place or an experience where you can go, you know, in the same way that in a prayer room, often someone will have, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of fizzy forgiveness thing. Have you ever yeah. done that? You, know, <laughs> yeah. drop, you drop a tablet in and, and, or you drop a stone into some water and it's a sign of letting go. And if those tools and if those physical, um, kind of rituals were available in spaces where we do this it could move the conversation on even if you don't then say right you've got to do it now while we're here why don't you just forgive that person um what you could do is just everybody knows that if you need to take a moment to let go of something and this is a space where you can do that there's a corner there's a there's a place in this room where where we where we do that it's a great shout. It's a great shout. Hopefully somebody listening will take that idea and, and roll it out in their, in their youth ministry soon. Um, okay, it's fantastic. So uh, we've talked a little bit there about forgiveness. Uh, uh, remind, me of, remind me of the others, Lucy. Um, loving your enemies. Yeah. And prayer. Prayer was up there as well. Yeah. Um, and then serve, serving and blessing others. They were and, the ones that were, yeah. And um, reading your Bible, was it? Yeah, and reading scripture. Yeah, and and these are about um, being faithful to the teachings of Jesus. Yes, and so yeah. reading scripture and prayer were also in the top five for forming Christian identity. So that okay. was where so we've got this little Venn diagram of these three in the report, and yeah. and, and that one overlaps those two kind of pieces. Which again, we're not. It's probably not that surprising. Reading reading your Bible and praying are two two of the things practices certainly that I was taught growing up are most foundational as a Christian um and and but the other ones in forming Christian identity I think we've talked about were going to church and and singing and yeah worshiping. so what I find it fascinating about the the scripture because also we're asking youth leaders here so we're saying it's essential for forming Christian identity and for being faithful to the teachings of Jesus I I can only assume what we mean you know kind of beyond just the reading of the scripture is being obedient to the scripture, right? And actually doing what it says. Well, there's a great question. I mean, you're, you're sort of exposing the limits of the research at this point as well, because we didn't define what we meant by all these practices. We just said, well, occasionally we gave a little bit more of a hint, but we, yeah, we didn't say reading and applying scripture. Um, We we just talked about the practice of, of reading. And I suppose what we are, um, you know, this list of other practices, the the 20 other practices are an attempt to say, this is what we think it might look like to apply that that teaching. Although it's not comprehensive, I'm sure there's lots of things that are missing there. Um, But yeah, I think it, it gets at, it gets at that theory practice gap once again, where I think really at the heart of this research, the implication is if we talk about it, we should do it. 
and, yeah. we should, and when we do it we should reflect and talk about it we yeah, just good. bring those things back together yeah that's a really helpful reflection the, the, the thing that I'm wondering and it's not something you can answer but uh, I would be fascinated to know is if you ask the same questions to young people that you've asked to youth workers would the scripture come out in the top five you know mm -hmm. reading the scripture being obedient to, to the scripture um, uh, and my guess is as, that I, as much as I hope that it would I'd be fearful that it that it wouldn't because you know we we you know we have a, a, a post-christian generation who are you know obviously of course there are exceptions to the rule but largely you know biblically illiterate really yeah and how central how foundational is like helping our young people to love their bibles to read to, to read their bibles to spend time in the scripture on their own yeah you know, understanding what God is saying to them through through the Scripture. Um, uh, I, I know you can answer that question because it, it was it was youth workers answering it, but I, I would just be fascinated uh, to know that. But at the same time, I'm encouraged that 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 has come into the top five on both of those two things for youth workers who are clearly, um, you know, still acknowledging the primacy of, of, of scripture really in our faith. Cause do you know what I'm trying to get at? It does yeah. seem like in, yeah. in some circles, scripture getting sidelined a little, um, which is quite dangerous really as this kind of bedrock of our, our faith that, you know, that, that, that we, that we build on. Have you got any reflections on that? Yeah. Well, I think one reflection is, is that one of the key things to come out of the case studies was the importance of modeling which again is like, this is nothing new. This is absolutely foundational to Jesus' approach to discipleship. Of course it is. Um, but uh, it came out really strongly that this is, not, um, this, is not, this is not like a resource that you can lift off the shelf and then just do with young people. This is, this is to us first. This is a call yep. to our own discipleship. And then what we model to young people and invite them to participate in. And so it is encouraging that... Um, that scripture is valued it's in the top five things that youth workers practice because although um not everybody will catch that that is something that will probably be being modeled yes by youth workers to young people mm -hmm. i think one of the challenges um sort of more generally which has been around for you know a few decades now as you say is this kind of a very much post-christian or secular environment where any understanding of the the biblical story is is being lost generation by generations. We, we we have to come teaching it almost completely fresh. And I'm reminded of YFC's research that they published a couple of weeks ago. That if, if so, if you don't have a copy of that, do get yourself one. It's called um, the Z to A of Faith and Spirituality. And they found oh, I don't have it in front of me, but they they found that I think it was fifty. 51%, 52% of young people believe that Jesus was a historical figure. Mm -hmm. And I think when I, when it was presented, it was framed quite positively that that was encouraging, but I was really shocked <laughs> maybe because I'm out of touch, but I thought, Oh my goodness. I thought that even if we were in the world of saying, you know, maybe he was a good moral teacher or yeah, we're not saying, you know, not most young people wouldn't necessarily accept he was the son of God. I would have anticipated that most of them understood that he 
there was, yeah. there's a huge amount of historical evidence that he was real. So to realise only half of them think he's real makes you realise, gosh, yeah, you're starting from a very different place. But Lucy, it's so funny you should say that because um, uh, just on the Limitless Leadership podcasts before these two that we've recorded with you, we, we had Laura Hancock on talking oh, about wow. research. Brilliant. And I said exactly that same thing to her. I said, <laughs> Laura, you know, when, when I saw you presenting the research, you, you, you communicated this as a, po- as a positive thing. For me, I was shocked about it because, you know, of the, of the, the weight of historical evidence and, uh, you know, verifiable evidence of, about the, the, the life, the reality of the, of the life of Jesus. And I think her perspective was, you know, that, that it's a great foundation for the start of a conversation. Because if you can talk about the, the, the historicity and the reality of Jesus' life, it, it, it lends itself to a conversation about, yeah. Well, who, who it, it, you know, if the historical evidence leaves us in little doubt that Jesus was a real man who lived and breathed and, and taught, you know, in, in first century Judea, then who was he? Who was this man? And it, and it, and so it's. A, I think for her, it was a there was an entry point there. But I do agree with you. Like in terms of, I I was like, ah, that's not that's really not good. Yeah. And, and and I wonder if perhaps part of the reason we find ourselves there is because we. In our schools, we teach Jesus in RE rather than in history. Yeah. Uh, because in that way, he's a religious figure. But in terms of yeah. global history, there's no more influential figure who's ever lived in terms of how, you, the, 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 of, of how history hinged mm-hmm. on his life mm-hmm. and his teachings and even our own laws still, um, though they've evolved, of course, a lot over time, founded on the, on, on the basis of his teachings. So... Yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying, but you, you're right. We've got this very different starting point um, when it comes to scripture. And I think one of the ways I see that, Lucy, and I, 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 I do, I'd be interested to know what you think about this, is that the way we, even when we do come to scripture, the way we come to it is, is different. Um, and, and it seems to me that there's a, um, from young people, there's more of a suspicion Mm-hmm. about scripture rather than for me where there's an authority in scripture so yeah. so young people are coming to the scripture um and interpreting it through cultural lenses in a way in such a way that it's subservient to their cultural paradigms whereas i guess for me i'm coming to it um where what i understand culturally is subservient to what mm-hmm. i read in the scripture and that is huge for me that is huge mm-hmm. It is huge. And I, I, and I think this whole thing about practice and experience invites more reflection on what the relationship is between the two. So yeah. your question there about the kind of the order of authority is, is, is really important. And I think one of, one of the, um, I guess one of the resources that has been quite useful in thinking about that, and I don't know how much this would make sense for young people, but is understanding the authority of the bible in a narrative way so um the flow of scripture and um, understanding specific texts in the in the narrative flow which is kind of nt writes thing around the, five, yeah. the bible is the five act play um and i think that that because part of what that um invites you to see is that that it's not just um how the bible sometimes been used in ways that maybe young people are reacting to um are individual texts that they they feel limit certain kinds of freedom or um 
are used to exclude certain groups. Yeah, they? weaponized. Yeah. Yeah, weapon. Yeah, weaponized. Exactly. Um, they there's a lot of kind of suspicion of it in that sense. Mm-hmm. But if but in terms of seeing it as pointing a direction towards a, a, a kingdom that is coming and that is reconciling all things, which when then we think about justice and the role of justice yeah. and their hope for the future, um, as this as this authoritative story in which you find your place. I think that could be a linking framework for young people between the way they see the world through story and personal experience um, and and through the Bible still being authoritative, but not in the way that, um, but less as a kind of textbook of law and more yeah. of this authoritative story that's been authored by somebody who's real. Well, that is so helpful, Lucy. I think that's so helpful because, you know, it's, it's I guess, um, the, the, way, the way into the text might need to look a bit different for, maybe. for, for this generation. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really helpful thing. Because, I, you know, I, I just remember, you know, as a young person, now, I, I was brought up in a Christian home with Christian parents. But for me, as, as a young person, I, I remember, you know, if we would do a Bible study with our youth group, and, you know, I saw and understood something that was in conflict with a personal view, it, it was never a... For me, it was never like, oh, well, the scripture's wrong. That never, would never cross my mind. You know what I mean? I would, just, I, I would reorient my, my perspective yeah. uh, according to the scripture. It just, it just doesn't feel like that happens now. You know what I mean? In, in, in that same yeah. way. And it's, um, I wonder if it, I wonder, I mean, there might be some places where that does still happen. Yeah. Um, but I th- so maybe a, a different way of viewing that positively is we might have a generation that, are more um, are more willing to hold paradoxes and uncertainty, but still see their faith as being real. So mm. one of the one of the things that can be challenging when um, you then when when you haven't reconciled your experience with scriptural teaching, you've just had to say, I don't. Well, I don't. I know that the scripture is true, and my experience doesn't quite fit it, and so I have to. I just have to pause that. I don't know what to do with it quite yet if there is a generation that are more willing to hold that in, in conversation, maybe the, often that's how um, new theological insights come in generations mm-hmm. where someone says, I heard someone once say um, a conclusion is where you get tired of thinking, you know, like paradox, <laughs> paradoxes and, and holding space where we're not completely clear on what this means can be the, the space where, Theological insights come that are really profound, and mm-hmm. and actually because there are still different ways that we can view those that view scripture, um, if we have a generation that maybe are willing more willing to to be open to that journey, that, that could be a strength. If we don't say to them, um, "There's only one way to, to to do this," and if you can't be, if you can't if if you can't just accept that it's authoritative, you're not. This isn't going to work out for you. I think we'll I think we'll lose people who'd be who'd be up for being on the journey if we're if that's what we say interesting that is a that's a really really interesting and and helpful reflection okay we 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 must we must move on to the last one we've already mentioned that that prayer and scripture make it into this one as well but it's those uh that were most powerful for forming christian identity uh so what were the other what were the other three apart from We've already talked about serving others as being yes. powerful for forming Christian identity, scripture, prayer, and then worship and singing, and then attending church or groups. 
And the reason I put attending church or groups is because obviously you can't really actually attend the church. It's the people, isn't it? But I think everyone knows what we mean when we say attending church. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was gathering together and singing, um, which in, again, in light of pandemic, you think this is a formational time for teenagers in terms of Christian identity. If these two big things are, are so significant for forming Christian identity and they've been reformed or knocked out or they've been undermined in some way, particularly singing. I mean, we can sing, but we can't gather and sing in the same way. Yeah. Um, we, I don't know. I think that, I think that's interesting to think, do we want to recalibrate that and think, well, what other practices can we still do while we're dispersed together that, that might be a broader way of thinking about forming Christian identity? worship in a different way yeah and and also i i wonder about that one because jesus didn't have a lot to say about that did he about singing a lot to say about your whole life as worship but let's yeah well, it, well it, and that's exa- exactly it yeah and so what, what but what was the category though it was worship well, slash singing was it? yes it was worship slash singing and i think again that was a tricky one to try to categorize for people but um, I want. I didn't want to just put singing because I wanted to be it to be clear that when we mean singing, and we we mean singing as worship. And I probably people would have just worked that out themselves. But also because I do believe that all these practices together add up to a life of worship. I think that's probably yes. theologically the more correct way of seeing what worship yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think singing is one of the, the things that we do yeah. most when we come together and actually um i i think it's interesting because you're right jesus didn't really talk about it um and yet i think many of us know i mean lots of us have kind of conflicted experiences of singing together not everybody likes doing it some people feel really alienated by it but it can but it can be really powerful in terms of our unlocking our emotions and our experiences of god and the holy spirit and when it came to the case studies it was really interesting that worship showed up in a number of places where young people who wouldn't consider themselves Christians had been invited to experience worship for the first time. And they had taken on these songs and they wanted to sing them in times of um, difficulty. So there were, there were mm-hmm. groups of young women who, um, who would start singing My Lighthouse together because it had become a song that was meaningful to them after mm. experiencing that they wouldn't call themselves christians but they'd taken that song there was another young woman who who said that it was it was worship and singing that really helped her feel close to god and so on the one hand it, it could be easy to undermine it and and sort of say it, it maybe isn't one of the things that we're taught in terms of following jesus and on the other hand experientially actually it can be really powerful for young people who haven't yet encountered god yeah, absolutely right. And, and of course, um, many of the truths we, we know about God in reality, we actually learned first through a song so and true. later found that to be true of the scripture rather than the other way around. Yeah. And how many, how many times, you know, maybe as a, as a teenager in my early 20s, did I um, uh, read the scripture and go, oh, I know that from somewhere. Oh, yeah, it was that song that we used to sing in, in, in church. And I'd never read, you know, it from directly from the scripture before, but I knew it to be from, from the songs that we sing. And so it's a great way of actually 
uh, of course, songs are more memorable, of course, than, than, than what we teach or preach. So what a great way of, uh, of communicating truths about who God is and what he's done as well through singing. And then, of course, it is biblical, even though Jesus didn't talk about it a lot. You know, we know that we're instructed to, you know, sing and you know, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It, it, of course, it's a, it's, a, it's a biblical thing. So I guess no surprises that it's there. Um, Lisa, I wonder if I could ask you, I, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but it's just... Uh, come to mind and it, it's it, this is a more personal less based on the data but if there were one of those spiritual practices that you see there is a, is a bit lower down the list that is not happening often in youth ministries that just for you personally you feel like is really important you know just in your own opinion and you'd really want to encourage youth workers so i think this this could be really key what, what for you would be one of those practices that you would feel passionate about us having a go at and, and, and why for you would that be a key practice? Oh. I've put you on the spot totally. Yeah, okay, well, do you know what's hard is picking one because three of them come to mind. And well, I tell me the three and then, I, and then I might force you to choose one. All right, I think <laughs> three would be creativity, resting and lament. Ooh. Because I think we... It, we, I, young people, encounter God in ways where the image of God breaks down and gets reformed in a, in a deeper and more generous way. So I think when we experience creativity, things are unlocked in us of our truest selves, but also what matters in life. And that openness that comes from the practice of creativity is the space of spiritual life. And God, mm-hmm. is, God is so present, I think, and so close to our experience when we are experiencing creativity and but also because it's one of the practices that in our life becomes evaluative it's one of the things that um very early in school we internalize whether we're good or bad at creating things rather than understanding that we are inherently creative and made in god's image and so i i think that is a i think it's so powerful and and telling the story of god's presence in creativity i think can be really powerful resting um, resting speaks to the, the truth that everybody in every culture needs to experience, which is that you are enough before you have done anything. Yeah. You are accepted and, and it speaks so much of grace. But again, in our, in our, in our culture, which is so anti-rest and so exploitative in different ways, I think a generation that know how to rest and how activity comes out of rest would be a profound generation and then before you go on to lament um lucy just on on the resting one um because this research is obviously about the the teaching and the practice of these spiritual disciplines and i think the rest one is a really interesting one because um like it seems clear to me how we can teach from the scripture about rest to our young people we can encourage them to build you know those practices into their lives even you know what does it look like for young people to practice a sabbath mm-hmm. um i talk a lot to young people about um digital sabbath and yeah. um resting from our phones and you know giving our minds at rest from from that that kind of stimulation and and, and interconnection yeah. and comparison actually yeah. we get from our phones yeah. and so I, I see how you can teach that but have you got any thoughts about rest as a practice that we can experience together as a group of young people and leaders? That's a great question. Um, I mean, not off the 
top of, oh well yes off the top of my head so one of the case studies in the in in the research is about a combination of digital detox and and an overnight prayer so um mm. the guys at htb youth have this kind of rhythm where they couple of times a year at particularly a point where they feel they need to spend time more time intentionally with god they do a bit of a lock-in so they um they spend time they, they get together overnight and they pray through the night um and they do digital detox at the same time they lock their phones in a safe together to be in each other's presence and spend time with god outside of that and so um that's that's not the same as resting <laughs> but, <laughs> but that is the, but that is a form of digital detox together yeah um i think what comes to mind when you answer when you ask that question is experiences i have had of communal sunday afternoons where um like i for i lived with a family for a year who after church they would get home and they would all change into their pajama bottoms and they'd put american football on and they would just hang around on the sofa watching football together but changing into their pajama bottoms is genuinely this kind of sign like it is rest time now yeah i'm not yeah. doing anything and it was communal it was family based and it was home based but it was a really lovely ritual that i got swept up in and like utterly enjoyed for a year um, i've also had those had experiences when i was a student in community living more where we were in and out of each other's houses of particularly after church services, being with a group of people and playing board games or having a dinner or kind of the afternoon extending into the evening in ways that aren't always possible with other people. But something about the way you treat time and having more time to hang out, mm. something about um, not having your phones on when you're together. Yeah. And saying, to, like, what would you find restful? What would I find restful? Are there ways we can do that while we're in each other's company on this specific day? I guess a one way of doing it. But I bet there are people out there that have, if you're out there and you're listening and you've, and you've tried this, I guess get in touch so we can work out from you what, how you can how can do communal resting. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, re resting community is a really interesting thing. I guess particularly if you're an introvert and you get energy from time by yourself um what does that look like what does that look like for you but you know one of the things over the years that the lord has spoken to me about with rest is this this idea that many of the things that we do to relax aren't giving us true rest mm. and we know this to be true you know when we were exhausted and you know we we had that day in our pajamas watching netflix all day eating ice cream and actually it turned out we felt worse at the end of it rather than better <laughs> Because there's a difference between, you know, stopping and really replenishing and, and the things that really bring us life and energy. And, the, uh, you, know, I, you know, I talk about the, the people, the, the places and the practices mm. that, that, that renew us. You know, there are some people that we spend, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily bad relationships, but, you know, it, it takes a lot of our energy. Mm. There are some people we spend time with, they fill us up. You know, we, we leave their company feeling like we you know ready to go like we could take on the world you know but there are certain places you know for me you know 20 minutes from where i'm speaking to you now there's a bench up on the side of the hills it's a place for me a, a, a rest place where i go i can look over the over the uh, the kind of horizon and and just um be with god quietly and it's a rest place for me the, my morning devotion on my my sofa with my bible it's a rest place you know what are the places and then you know those again the, the practices what are 
you, you know, I, I, I quickly realized that, that binge watching isn't a restful practice for mm. me. It makes me feel worse, not better. And, you know, but running, which actually is an it, physically energy sapping thing is a restful practice for me because it feels it, you know part of it's the endorphins and all of that kind of stuff but you know it's something that that feel that fills me up it's a it's a life-giving practice and so I, identifying I guess those things for us as leaders helping young people to identify those things for themselves but I'm really interested by that thing of identifying those things as a group in community yeah. what does that yeah. look like for us I think that could be really interesting to pursue I know, that could and because it could bring out all this diversity help young people understand each other and themselves more as well mm. I think it's when you get you know you know there's relationships where you can be in each other's presence and you can be quiet you don't yeah. especially if you know that it's a time of rest though that's kind of sabbath <laughs> that's that's the apex of sabbath in my experience as an introvert is i can be with people i really like but we don't have to talk to each other i can read a mm -hmm. book but we can be in the same room and we're just being still and like quiet. And um, that's, but it's, but it's, but it took a long time to realize that there would be, there'd be people who I wouldn't need to make small talk with, but would be okay with me being there. And yeah. there'll be young people that's true for, won't there? And, um, and, and yeah, so exploring with them what real rest is like, if, if they can learn that in our youth groups, that God is present in that and the difference between um, that kind of, I don't know what, you could probably work out a better phrase for it, yeah, but that kind of forced rest, which isn't, that false rest, mm. and then real, something that's really rejuvenating. Mm. That would be amazing for young people to realise that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you were going to talk about lament before we, yeah. we kind of yeah. went off on rest there. We talked a little bit about lament, didn't we, in the last episode. And we did. Uh, yeah. uh, interesting why it's one of the key ones for you yeah i think i think it's because as as a teenager you carry a lot i mean we all carry a lot but there's a lot going on inside your head and your heart that you need to process and um to find that your christian community is a place not not just of um, expectation in terms of who you should be, but as a place of where you can be utterly real about what life, what you really experience life to be and the, the pain of it and the challenge of it um, and to find God there. Uh, I, ju I just think that's, that's absolutely wonderful when that can happen. Um, and, mm. and I think that people who know how to express suffering and to hear others and to witness to suffering um, are psychologically and spiritually healthy people yes. and we form spiritually and psychologically healthy families and communities where we can talk about those things and hear those things mm. without shame and fear and so I think recovering that lost spiritual practice of lament could be could be one of those practices that we really we really need yeah so good so good and especially in this time you know with covid and the pandemic yeah. and all of that actually you know just just as, you know as we're recording yesterday morning uh we had our first uh in person uh socially distant. it's funny how you have to caveat everything by saying socially distanced. <laughs> in person socially distanced uh hand uh sanitized uh meeting with our limitless staff uh, team and it was lovely um, because we took a good couple of hours just to say, 
hey, what's been hard for you in this season? It was so rich. It was just such a rich time um, to be able to do that. Uh, so much richer than, you know, our quick kind of catch-ups each week on Zoom kind of thing. And uh, what, it, what it really does, I think that that kind of lament is it, it really bonds a community together, doesn't oh, it? Because that yeah. vulnerability is such a powerful adhesive. That is exactly yeah. it. That was the word that was in my mind too. I just think that vulnerability is a glue. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, it, can, and it can serve as that for, for our youth groups, a, a, a real way to, to bring us together. Anyway, Lucy, um, I was so grateful for your, your, your time over these two episodes. I just want to ask you one more question before we wrap up today. Um, and, and that is for the, for the youth worker listening, for whom this is a whole new world. And maybe they're saying, well, you know, I've done a little bit of, you know, uh, singing and worship and prayer and, you know, maybe a bit of scripture with my young people. But some of these, you know, I've never really given any consideration to. Mm-hmm. What would your encouragement be to them? You know, how can, what would be some practical tips? How can they get started on the journey with with some of these spiritual practices well at the, at the end of the report we have these three kind of simple implications and i'd i'd say just jump back there and there are some questions that you could that would get you going with reflecting where all this lands for you so one of the first things i'd always say start start with you rather than thinking about like what can i do with young people because the whole gist of this is we are co-disciples doesn't mean we're best friends but we're co-disciples with young people they catch what we model and so um whatever you're going to invite young people to do it may be down the line a little while start start with you Um, and so i'd say look down the list of practices that we've got in the report and just ask yourself whether there are any you've never engaged with but you feel drawn to you know look at it prayerfully and just and and think is this anything i'm curious about um, yep. that I could that I could um, explore a little bit um, and in terms of how you do that though I think with any of those practices there will be books and resources and things and or friends that you know are probably quite good at that that you could just talk to so um, I'd, I'd say that in terms of youth work though one you know we talked about closing the gap between what we teach and what we do and one yep. simple thing would be to look down that list again and just think which of these do we do but we never talk about maybe pick your top three and then think, how can I make just, how in small ways can I tell a story that roots these practices in the story of God in some way explains Mm. that they, they're not random, but they are part of what it means to be like in God. Um, But then also think which are the ones that we teach about, but we, we don't tend to do anything about. And again, pick the top three and say, what if I made a commitment over the next six months, anything that we teach about, we will facilitate an experience of at the same time. Um, So that's the kind of practice what you preach. And then the final implication is kind of bringing practice into the heart of mission. And and, and the question for reflection there is is around what are the main needs or desires of young people in your context? And what practices are most likely to build a bridge between their world and the Christian story? And so, I mean, it's, given where we are um and what we've just talked about i'm guessing that lament might be one of those things that regardless of who you're talking to um you're gonna need to um talk about lament um but i'd also say that there'll be some young people in your community if you're reaching out to them that that's more the case for um so 
of those that never rest are like who are in environments that are very harried you can think about how to make an experience of sabbath that be practical etc so have a look at that and just again maybe it's looking through that list through, through those three different angles and just making some notes and making some plans so the other thing you might want to consider is a, a rule of life which is I guess a, a simple structure that explains what it is in your own life that you feel God is calling you to. So it will often be similarly themed, but it will be unique to you. So what is the way that you want to live that you feel like God is inviting you to live um, for the next maybe three months, six months, a year? Um, and particularly in the times that we're in now, what does it mean for you to rest in your context? What would it mean for you to express community, to express service, to think about prayer or scripture? Um, and it might be as simple as saying, right, there are kind of five or six of these practices that really feel like they're for now. And I'm gonna just pray about and try to discern with, with the Holy Spirit, what would a rule of life look like for this time for me? Um, and and it's not something that you can easily do by yourself. Um, as someone who's been trying to do this, for the last year or so, you need a group of people around you who know that you're trying to live that way. And um, some of those practices when they're shared are a lot easier to do than when you're doing them by yourself. Uh, but I think that's a really helpful structure for thinking about practice. So we, we found that a third of youth workers in, in this sample said that they did have a rule of life of some kind. Quite high that, isn't it? It was high. I mean, again, we didn't explain what we meant by that. But right. I think if nothing else, it says to me that um, some people recognise what it is. Like, I think if we'd have said, do you have a rule of life that's written down that other people know about, that like maybe it was slightly more formal. I don't know how many people would say that was, that was there. But I think it probably just reflects this sense amongst, the, you know, within the church that we need some of these structures and language to support yeah. our discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the... Uh, just as maybe like a little practical tip for, for, for listeners about how to do that, um, if it's helpful to, to you guys uh, listening. The way I've done that is um, I kind of did it in four boxes. So I've, I've got a, a work box, a rest box, a relationships box, and a spiritual disciplines box. Now, of course, these, these things are more fluid than that, and um, our lives aren't quite that segregated. But, you know, you know what's what what am i going to be like in work and ministry what are, what are my practices those life-giving practices you know like we talked about earlier of rest going to be in my life you know who, who are the people i'm going to prioritize giving time to you know the, the key family members friends that are going to get the first and best of my energy what are the spiritual disciplines you know that are going to be the non-negotiables in my life and i've found that just a really mm. helpful tool almost to be able to think about it under those four headings. So if that helps any of our listeners, if you want to have a go at forming a rule of life, uh, you can always try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. That's a great idea. I think one thing that's worth throwing in as well is, um, is the, the word rhythm, which often goes with the word rule and is helpful because I think the last thing I'd want anyone to take from this research is like, that's 21 things that I'm meant to do every week. And yeah. that's, that's not what this is really about. Um, some of these practices we engage with in different ways um so you know when it comes to rest it might be about like in the week in the day where do you stop in the week where do you stop can you get retreat days yep. could you go on a pilgrimage once a year um and so those kind of rhythms in kind of the day the week the month the quarter the year 
um, will different practices will show up in different ways and across the rhythm of your of your life. Um, and that's quite fun to do as well to take a it step is. back and go. When you think, look at the whole year. What does a good year look and feel like? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it takes us, I think, back to where we started, which is that to be a disciple of Jesus doesn't mean that we just believe something. It means that we we practice the way of Jesus. We are apprentices of Jesus. We we try to do what Jesus did. We try to live like Jesus lived. And I think this kind of rule of life is a, is a, is a practical means of helping us think that through. And crucially, that to, to do that increasingly day by day, isn't it? Yeah. Wonderful. Lucy, this has just been so helpful and, and so stimulating. I'm, I'm so grateful to you, uh, not just for your time today, but for you and the team at the Centre for Research for, for at putting this together for us. For those people who... Um, haven't yet downloaded the full thing and would like to be able to do that and for those who'd like to keep up with the kind of quarterly uh, uh, the story uh, documents which I, I love and I read them every time and share them around our students on, on the Limitless Academy here at, at Regent Theological College they're really great really recommend them to anyone listening how can they get hold of that stuff well you can go to um, the story um, webpage which is part of the research area of the Youthscape website. And on that, you can always find um, most of the story content for free. But we always produce a poster, which is a kind of everything you need to know about a different topic. And that's a pull-out poster within the printed story. And to, to get that bit, you just need to subscribe and it's £10 for a year. And you can do that on our website. And you can get, again, a good chunk of the, the We Do God report for free. There's a good chunk of it as a research sample that you're very welcome just to just download. Or you can get a £5, you can get a digital download, or you can get the whole report slash book. Sorry, it's kind of chunky for a tenner. Fantastic. And that's all available there on, on the Youthscape website. Exactly. Lovely. Uh, Lucy, thank you so much. And I just want to say to, to youth workers listening, um, you know, the potential is there that, you know, this could feel like quite overwhelming. Oh, no, there's so many things, you know, that, that I'm not doing. But as Lucy said, you know, we just want to encourage you, just go, go away from this podcast, take some time, maybe with your journal, with the Holy Spirit, and, and say, God, of, of all of this, what are you saying to me? What are you asking of me? You know, it's a bit cheesy, but every, every journey of a hundred miles starts with a single step, doesn't it? So what, what, is there just one, one thing that you could do, one thing that you could do today, one thing you could do uh, next term with your young people uh, that you haven't done before to, to begin on this journey? And, and, and that, would be a, that would be a fantastic start. Lucy, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. It's been great. Uh, and thank you to everybody uh, for, for listening today to the Limitless Leadership Podcast. If this has been helpful to you and you think it would help a, a, another youth leader, please do feel free uh, to share it uh, or to rate it and review it on iTunes or wherever uh, you get your podcasts. Uh, but more than any of that, we want to say thank you to you for all that you are doing to serve young people where you are such an important thing as you are making disciples being obedient to the call of god to make disciples i, I say it often I, I just mean it from my gut every time i can't think of anything that you could give your life to that's more important than passing on the gospel to the next generation so keep doing it uh, don't give up it's so so important and we want to say thank you to you today the smile of god that is over your life. God bless you. We'll see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.
But wait, don't turn off the podcast just yet. I've got two very quick things I just need to let you know about before you go. Firstly, later this month, we've got a special bonus episode of the Limitless Leadership Podcast coming your way. And it is a very special one. It's a conversation with John Mark Comer from Bridgetown Church. You may have read Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, amazing, uh, as are all of his other books. Uh, So good, so much wisdom. And he is going to be dropping some of that wisdom on the Limitless Leadership Podcast. Uh, We have a conversation about digital freedom for a digital generation. So if you don't want to miss that, make sure you're subscribed to the Limitless Leadership Podcast so it comes into your podcast feed as soon as it's released. And of course, you're also not going to want to forget about Limitless Leaders, a two-day community of learning for youth and children's ministry leaders on the 26th and 27th of January, 2021. Head to limitlesselim.co.uk forward slash leaders where you can get the program, you can find out all the info and you can get your tickets for that as well. Your heroes, keep going, don't give up. I know it's hard right now. Christmas is coming. Hopefully you'll get a little bit of rest, a little bit of a break. Keep going, keep going, keep going. We're cheering you on and we'll see you next time on the Limitless Leadership Podcast.